0: This podcast is brought to you by LineUpMedia.fm. Visionary Wealth Advisors is an SEC-registered investment advisor with offices located in Colorado, Florida, Illinois, and Missouri. Investment information presented in this broadcast is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon by any individual. It is recommended that all listeners seek individual advice from a qualified tax, legal or investment advisor. Any reference to a market index is included for illustrative purposes only as it is not possible to directly invest in an index. All statements and opinions expressed in this broadcast are based upon information considered to be reliable, although no express or implied warranty of accuracy is given. It is important to consider that all investments involve risk and no investment strategy can guarantee positive results.
1: You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Belief started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. In action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors. Each week on the Circuit of Success, we're excited to bring what I call the brilliant minds of today to talk about whatever the topic is we're going to talk about each week. So we bring authors, we bring professional athletes, we bring business leaders, we bring phenomenal uh, wealth advisors from our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors. And today, I'm uh, honored to be interviewing Brad Keene. Brad, how you doing? Good. Thanks, Brett. Good. It's good to be with you. Glad to be here. We're normally about you know 17 feet. We're two doors away from each other in O'Fallon, Illinois. But today, we are sitting out here in the KTRS studios and uh, excited to have you on the show today. We're going to talk about asset allocation. We're going to talk about risk management. Lots of stuff. And I guess first question, we'll just dive right in. Well, actually, before we even go there, you've been doing this, what, 18, 19 years? More 23, than 23 years, actually. Years. Yeah, That's I know. Annoying. I look pretty
0: young, but started yeah. in the business in 1996, so this is my 23rd year. So, That's yeah, it's awesome. gone fast. Time flies when you're having fun.
1: Certified financial planner, and so uh, again, the topic we're going to talk about today is asset allocation. And what I would ask you is, do you believe that most people even understand what asset allocation is and what it means?
0: I would say the average person probably does not understand it. I think it's one of those terms that gets thrown around in the financial industry, like other terms, diversification asset allocation really becomes kind of cloudy, I think, for most people at some point. So I think it's our job to try to illustrate what that really means to them, to their portfolio, to their risk tolerance, and to really try to illustrate that in the best capacity we can. And that's really, I think, what we have the job to do first and foremost.
1: Yeah. I talked about this earlier on the show, um, but it's communication, right? I mean, it just no different than if it's your marriage, your children, Uh, communication is key. And I think the more we can educate our clients on exactly how they are all allocated, uh, the better, right? Because you always hear the old, don't put all the eggs in one basket. So when you hear that, what comes to mind? What, What are your thoughts? Well,
0: I think you're right. The education part is essential. And what I try to do, what I've learned over the years is that, you know, the risk tolerance questionnaires are good to have, but they typically don't tell all the story. So you really have to talk to somebody, get to know them, get to know how they feel about the markets, get to know if they've been through a bear market, really how they felt at that time. So I see all these different folks that they come to me and they say that they can take some risk, but when the market starts to go down, they're the first ones to call and they're worried about their portfolio. So I think that's our job as advisors to really talk to the client, find out their fears, find out what their experiences have been and really try to dive into where they should be on that asset allocation range. So mm-hmm. how much should they have exposed to stocks? And if they've been through 2008 and 2009, that's a great barometer because that may be the worst, hopefully that's the worst situation many of us go through in our careers. So if, if they can stomach that and we can determine how that pain point was at that time I think it helps to zero in on where they should be today. Yeah.
1: So has the technology when you when you look at the technology and we have would you say that it's made it easier to illustrate asset allocation to clients?
0: I would say it has. Yes. So at our firm we use Riskalyze and I'm not sure if you use that Brett yeah. but many of us do and and that technology has really allowed us to put in the portfolio and backtest some different scenarios so we can go back and say if we have another 2008 or 2009 event, based upon how you're invested, how would you have done? And really it boils down to absolute dollars. And that's been really helpful for people to see. You know, we can talk about percentages all day long. You might've been down 18% or 20%. But the reality is when people get closer to retirement and those portfolios get bigger, those absolute dollars get bigger. So to say you may lose 18% in this scenario, May not sound too bad, but when you boil it down to a certain dollar amount, you can see people's body language change. And so technology like Risk Elias has really kind of helped us uh, make it easier to illustrate without having to create, you know, the wheel ourselves. Right.
1: Yeah. it's uh, So walk us through that process. So I'm a client and I want to understand, or I'm even a listener today. I'm not a client. I'm a listener and I'm I'm thinking, gosh, I don't know what risk I'm taking. I am getting closer to retirement or I'm thinking about retirement or I'm in retirement. I have no idea other than maybe the 10 questions my advisor asked me. I have no idea what my risk tolerance is. What's that process like with you?
0: Yeah. So that's um... A series of discussions, and then, like I said, if you, if you put the portfolio into Riskalyze, it will actually backtest, and you can you know, use different scenarios where interest rates rise. How does that affect your portfolio? What if we have a 2008-2009 event? How does that affect your portfolio? And so, really, it's just a series of asking them questions, talking about it each meeting. Keep talking about the risk. Keep talking about where they are. Talk about what could happen if the markets go down, because that's a reality and we know it, it's going to happen at some point. Right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So it seems like there's more and more products even probably being created by the day. I think what's great about our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, we talk about all the time is we don't manufacture products. Um, so we, we can be agnostic to the deal, right? Because you get paid the same regardless. But at the end of the day, there are more products than ever to choose from. And does this, does this make asset allocation decisions harder?
0: It does. Yeah. So- we've seen over the past 20 or 30 years, the number of choices multiply exponentially. So when I started in the business in 1996, mutual funds were really kind of at their sweet spot. They'd been around for 10 or 20 years, um, actually longer than that, but they had really gained momentum as a place for people to invest their money. And then in 1993, exchange-traded funds were created. So these ETFs actually added another layer of, of complexity and choices. Really, it boils down to choices. So, we've all read the studies where asset allocation drives about 90% of your investment returns long-term. So, what that means is, how much do I have in stocks versus bonds or other asset classes? That really, when you look at the historical data, is really what drives how much money you're going to make or lose long-term. But in our business, our job as financial advisors is to weed through all the details and figure out how to invest. If somebody wants to be 60% stocks, how do we invest that 60%? And that's where the complexity of all these different products has, has come into play, where it used to be a little bit easier to just buy a mutual fund. You know, now we have smart beta ETFs. We have sector funds. You know, you can, you can dive into these different sectors and really pinpoint where you want to invest your money. And that's just something we didn't see 15 or 20 years right. ago. So it makes that discussion a little bit more complex because, you know, clients. Some clients expect you to drill into these different sectors, and some just want to have a high level, you know, S and P five hundred type exposure. But there are many choices out there, and that's one of our jobs is to weed through the the different choices and find out what makes the most sense for the client.
1: Lots of noise out there, isn't there? And uh, so that's probably why when I go to Brad's office, you, you guys come in there and you can see his office. He's got all these screens up. He's got spreadsheets moving around. He's got graphs. He's got all this stuff. And, and I think it's just awesome to watch when somebody's in their brilliance. And uh, But I think, don't you think it's taking that and putting it in a funnel and, and letting the, the top echelon come out the bottom and that's what you choose to invest in with your clients?
0: Well, I think it takes time, yes, to weed through those different choices and try to find the best mix of... of- securities for the portfolio so you know asset allocation really boils down to how do you mix all these different investment choices together to create the portfolio so the analogy I use is if you're going to bake a cake you don't just go in the kitchen and start grabbing ingredients and throwing them in a bowl and and hope it works you want to have a recipe and the recipe that you use might be a little bit different than your friend or somebody that you know from work so if we're all baking a chocolate cake we all have a little bit different recipe hopefully it turns out great and it's a delicious cake but you know maybe it's your grandmother's old recipe where she uses a specific ingredient that nobody else really uses when you're when you're building a portfolio you're using different ingredients so you know it's it's important to try to figure out what the best ingredients are and the proportions that that come together to make the best cake or the best investment portfolio so that's really a, a, an important part of what we do is is trying to find, like you said, we're not, we're independent, so we don't have anyone telling us what products or what securities we can use. You know, it's it's up to us to kind of weed through those and find the best product, the best security for the portfolio that has the best risk return optics and maybe is at a lower expense ratio than others. So that's difficult with literally Thirty or 40,000 different securities to choose from, we have to use technology to try to make that that more efficient. Yep.
1: So talk to us. I'm going to back up a little bit. I know, you know maybe give us the, the 100,000 foot view. And I know 95% of our listeners probably understand this and know what this is, but I'm going to ask it anyway, uh, for those that may not. A mutual fund. What is a mutual fund? ETF, I think we just say these things in our industry, right? But does do people really truly know what an ETF is versus a mutual fund?
0: I don't think they do. I think that well, I think the mutual fund has become kind of a staple. Yeah, so it's people, in their four hundred one k. They're used to seeing it. Yeah. Exactly, it's in their four hundred one k. And in some way, shape, or form. And so, if you go back to history, actually, mutual funds were started back in the twenties. And then, when we had the Great Depression, mutual funds really kind of fell by the wayside. And then, after the Securities and Exchange Act of 1933, they they sort of resurfaced, and then after World War II, they really became more popular. So, they've been around for a long time, and I think people do tend to know what they are. So, a mutual fund really allows an individual who doesn't have a lot of money to buy one specific security, and inside that security, the mutual fund may own 2,000 different stocks or bonds. Yeah,
1: there's no way you could possibly go you know, with hundred grand, that you could go out and buy 2,000 different securities.
0: Exactly. So, if you had $1,000 and you bought a mutual fund, you can take that $1,000, buy the mutual fund, and the mutual fund manager will go out and, and maybe buy 500 or 1,000 different securities. So, it's a very efficient way for an individual investor to get an investment into a certain area. So, that's been around for a while. ETFs, exchange-traded funds, have only been around about 25 years. So, I think those are securities that most folks don't really understand, and but they're becoming more popular. So, you're seeing a lot of money go into ETFs. So, ETFs are exchange-traded funds, and they work just like a mutual fund, except they trade like a stock. So, the price changes throughout the day, and so they're more liquid, and you can write option contracts against ETFs, you can short ETFs. So, they really function just like a mutual fund, but with more options. So it gets yeah. back to our discussion about yeah. complexity. Now that just adds more complexity. Do right. you short the ETF? Do you buy an option contract on the ETF? You know, these things didn't exist twenty five right. years yeah. ago. And I think the mutual
1: funds too, the people most understand, but maybe some don't, is if, if you called me at nine o'clock this morning or I called you, Brad, and said, Hey, sell my A B C Mutual Front m- mutual fund, you're waiting <clears throat> excuse me, you're waiting till when to sell that.
0: So, those mutual funds will actually settle about 5 p.m. Central yeah. time.
1: So, you, even though there's market stuff going on right now, you can't necessarily get out exactly when you want.
0: Exactly. Right? Exactly. You're yeah. going to get the price at the end of the day. And so, with a that's a great point. With an ETF, in fact, I just had a client call this morning, and he had, he had a financial sector ETF that he bought six months ago. And he doesn't think that bank stocks are going to do very well, so this specific ETF that he owns, he wanted to sell it this morning, first thing in the morning at 8.30 when the market opened. And so we did that. But if he had a mutual fund, even if he did it at 8.30 in the morning or at 2.58 p.m., you're going to get the price at the end of the day. So it's a great point. People get confused by that, but it normally doesn't make a big difference, to be honest. But when we have so much volatility, um, like we've seen over the past year, It really does, I think, give people the comfort that they can get out of that security throughout the day if they really want to.
1: So you're listening to the Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. I'm joined with uh, Brad Keene, Senior Wealth Advisor with Visionary Wealth Advisors here today. We're talking a lot about the market. We're talking about asset allocation. We're talking about what's your risk tolerance, how much risk are you willing to take, because at the end of the day, people want to make sure there's a return of their money, not just the return on their money. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Brad Keane. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland. I'm joined today with Brad Keane. Uh, Brad is a senior wealth advisor. has had uh, 23 years of experience in the financial services industry. So it's great having Brad on our team. He does a lot of great work for uh, his clients. We've talked about the market uh, from an asset allocation standpoint. We've talked a lot about mutual funds and ETFs, Brad. But right now, you know, one of the biggest things we talk about or you hear about, really, in the, whether it's on our phones or in the news, whatever it may be, is is interest rates. So have low interest rates affected your asset allocation mindset?
0: They have, actually, Brett. They have changed it quite a bit um, in the past 10 years. So, just to give you an example, back in 2008, you could have kept your money in the money market at your favorite custodian or at the local bank, and you would have earned about 4% on that money market. So, essentially, a risk-free investment for 4%. When rates dropped to all-time lows after the financial crisis, you know, you saw CDs at 0.25%. 0.25%. Yeah. I mean, you just couldn't get any yield. And so for us as financial advisors, I'm sure you face the same the same problem is yeah. that if you had an investor who was very risk averse, very conservative, did not want to lose money. And historically, they might've been 70 or 80% bonds or fixed income. Suddenly that piece of their portfolio is earning less than 1%. So it really changed my mindset You know, for folks that were retired, that wanted to be conservative, but with low rates, you know, there's a certain rate of return we have to achieve for them to meet their financial goals. And if 60 or 70 or 80% of their portfolio is earning literally 1%, it does change the way that you have to structure the portfolio. You have to make some changes or these folks just can't make it. Right.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's definitely changed the game. There's no doubt about it. So what other asset classes are there? We talk a lot about today just stocks and bonds, but there's clearly more than just stocks and bonds. So what are the other asset classes you talk to uh, with your clients?
0: Absolutely. Well, let's go back to bonds real quick. So even with the bond portfolio, you you can slice and dice that portfolio many different ways. And that's one of the things that, that we do at Visionary. That's one of the things that our our chief investment officer john fisher spends a lot of time doing is trying to figure out the the bond piece how are we going to slice and dice that so we have u.s treasuries which are kind of the benchmark the risk-free benchmark and then we compare everything else to that risk-free benchmark so we have floating rate bonds we have high yield bonds foreign bonds government uh, government mortgage-backed bonds so even within that bond portfolio the asset allocation decision can be tough and it can be, it can be tough to figure out how to position your fixed income portfolio to, you know, right now it's with rising rates. How do we prepare for the potential of interest rates going up the same way they went down for the past, you know, several years? So that's an important piece. Outside of bonds, you know, you have real estate, commodities, um, there are managed futures, Merger arbitrage funds. There are several different asset classes that I have used over the years to try to mix with stocks and bonds to achieve a nice rate of return with a certain level of risk.
1: Yep. and total di- diversification, right? Exactly. So uh, you mentioned this earlier, but commodities. Are you do you use commodities? Have you ever used commodities in your asset allocation?
0: You know, I have. That's a tricky a tricky asset class to really bring into the portfolio. So I have used commodities over the years. They can be tricky, and the real key with commodities is, you know, if you buy a share of Apple stock, you can just buy and hold Apple stock. You can own it forever, right? It doesn't really change um, in the way you own it. You own a share and that's it. Nobody can take it away from you. If you buy commodities, how do you really own coffee? How do you own cattle? How do you own orange juice? So these are commodities that have an expiration date. So with that expiration date, you really have to use futures contracts and you get really complicated really fast. And so it does make sense to have commodities at different points in time. And they do have some pretty good metrics when you look at those versus stocks and bonds, but they can be extremely difficult to understand. They can be tricky, they can be expensive, and they can be volatile. Here lately they've really exhibited characteristics of stocks and that's really not what you want. So they can run in in long super cycles of anywhere from 15 to 17 years. And so there is a train of thought that you, if you get these in the portfolio and we ride one of these commodity super cycles up for 10 years, it's nice to have that in the portfolio.
1: So I know we're talking very specifically about risk and asset allocation and all that stuff, and, and clearly you do a heck of a lot more than that, Brad, for your clients. But Talk to us about goal planning and how important that is for your clients when you're thinking about all of these uh, the, the asset allocations and the risk. Well,
0: that's a great question because I think a lot of people don't spend enough time trying to figure out what is the ultimate goal of all this. So we've talked about some pretty specific stuff here and and you boil it down to what rate of return do you need to achieve to meet your goals. When you do the planning with clients and you look at their retirement projection, and you boil it back to a rate of return that they need to achieve, that's really what you have to do to then launch into this asset allocation discussion. So I'll give you an example. Uh, met with a guy years ago, and he said, you know, I'm pretty conservative. I don't really want to lose money. I'm pretty risk averse, I'm retired. And when I looked at his portfolio, he was about 80% stocks. Hmm. And so was invested completely differently than what he described to me. But we had a good market, he hadn't really seen losses for a long time, and so he really didn't understand the risk he was taking. But I think as advisors, our job is to illustrate how safe can they be with their money and still meet their goals. Yeah.
1: I think so many times people take an unneeded risk. Right? You, so if, if your goal, like you said, is going to, if you can do it on 4%, then why try to get 8 9 or 10 Because those are the same people that are going to lose 30 or 40% like in 08 and 09.
0: Exactly, and if you can use the technology to illustrate that, how detrimental that is you know especially after somebody retires to me that's the most critical point in time is the first couple years after retirement so you're just settling into your your retirement dreams you're getting a handle on expenses you're no longer working you don't have that paycheck which is something that people you know as you know they struggle with not getting a paycheck and they look to us to hopefully provide that and so those first couple years after retirement if if they have a bad market are they see their portfolio go down, I think the stress level for them is is much greater than somebody that's working, saving money, and in a different point in time.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you just saw it last month, December of 18, uh, is the, the most of the people that are concerned and, and worried are the ones that don't have the paycheck coming anymore, right?
0: Exactly. It's very yeah. scary.
1: So we talked about the importance of goal planning, but also talk to us about the importance of time. I mean, time is critical, isn't it? I mean, think about, so time is uh, critical from a standpoint of a time horizon, right? Because you got to start today versus waiting, you know, to save for retirement. I think for our older uh, clients and prospects, they understand that. But maybe for somebody today that's listening in their their 30s or their 40s and like, yeah, I'll get to it. Yeah, I'll get to it. Well,
0: I'll get to it someday, maybe too late. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have three three kids. Uh, my oldest is twenty, and my my middle one is seventeen. So they're getting into the phase of their life where they're starting to to work, make a little bit of money, get curious about investing, and that is the one key thing that I tell them: save early, yeah. save often, um, let time be on your side. And obviously, when you retire, you know your time is running a little bit more short than you know a twenty year old. So yeah. you have different different things to watch for, but. It's, it's really funny to watch how people react to the, the comment that I make. You know, if you're 65 years old and you retire, you might have 35 years left. And so it's always interesting to see a client's reaction to that because yep. some folks say, you know, I don't think I'm going to live past 80 or 85, so let's plan for that. And as you know, our job is to really plan for maybe age 100. Yep. Who knows? Maybe in 20 years, people are living to be 110. So, I always take my e-money projections out to age 100, and I'll let the client tell me if they just don't think that's reality, but I I think it's our job to at least take them that far out. So, you're listening
1: to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and we are with Brad Keene, Senior Wealth Advisor with Visionary Wealth Advisors. Uh, We've talked a lot about, again, asset allocation, the risk, reward. Uh, You know, if 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 you're sitting there and you're listening to this and you think, gosh, I have no idea how I'm doing that. Go to our website, visionarywealthadvisors.com. You can find Brad Keene, K-E-E-N-E, on the website. Reach out to Brad. Um, let him walk you through a free analysis. It's really going to help you understand is, gosh, am I taking the right amount of risk or am I like your client, Brad, that maybe was taking on 20 or 30% more risk than they really needed to to hit their plan? So reach out to Brad Keene. Uh, stay with us. We'll be r- right back with Brad Keene after this message. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, uh, founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors. You know, every week we uh, we love bringing you great new guests. Uh, a lot of times we talk about mindset. We talk about grit. We talk about what it takes to be successful. When you think about the attitude, we have a choice every single day when we wake up. We have a choice to choose a good attitude. And a choice to choose a bad attitude. Uh, the more I've studied success, the more I have found that people that choose that great attitude are the ones that have long term sustainable success. And so we wanna make sure we focus on that. We wanna make sure we have a belief system. You know, I heard one time if you stand for, at least if you stand for something, uh, that you can stay strong and commit and be successful versus if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the last thing is action. It takes action every single day. You gotta get up. And you got to go make th- make things happen. It's not just going to happen for you. So that ultimately gets results in your life. And uh, we're talking to a man here, Brad Keene, CFP, Certified Financial Planner with Visionary Wealth Advisors. So we've talked about goal planning. We've talked about having time on our side. Um, but where do you see most clients, Brad, where do you see them fail when it comes to risk? And I know you talked about your client earlier, but where do you see them fail when we talk about risk versus asset allocation?
0: I think if there's any one place they fail, it would be having a short-term mindset when they really have long-term goals. So in other words, it's, you know, I always preach to, to folks, don't watch the financial media. You know, don't sit in front of your TV and watch folks all day long on TV. I'm not going to mention any names, but right. I have a few that, that I dislike. Um in the end that's a lot of entertainment so those folks on tv are they're entertainers and they're trying to get you to buy or sell they're trying to get you to take action that's right and so as a financial advisor you know i try to coach people to really step away from the tv step back take a long-term view and try to try to focus on what their long-term goals are and i know it's hard when we have a a quarter like we had at the end of 2018 you know, it's hard for clients to not look at their statements. It's hard for them to not focus on how much money they may have lost that quarter. But in the end, we, we know these things happen. We know that we're going to have down markets, we're going to have down quarters, but hopefully by hiring someone like you or myself, they have the comfort that someone is there every day watching their portfolio, yeah. making decisions, tweaking the portfolio. You know, we're watching the news programs, we're doing the research. So, you know, hopefully folks um take a step back and don't get so focused on the short term results. Yeah. And so if you look at history, you look at what works in investing, it, it's really having a long term approach. So that's the biggest advice I can give to people.
1: Well I think too is the difference is I always use the word accountability is at the end of the day, Brad Keane with his clients, you have accountability. So you you're not gonna go on and we again won't name any names, but you hear these people on television They make these major predictions, and people hear them, and they want to run with them. And why, Brad, did you not do this to my portfolio? Well, they make a prediction every day. They're on the news every day. And there's no accountability to them because they don't serve the actual client. They serve the TV station that is serving the companies that are paying money to advertise on their show, right? And so there's no accountability, whereas you have to look in your client's eyes Every single day and you see the emotions, right? You see tears in the office and that's critically important when it comes to financial planning.
0: It is, yeah. And I I probably take it a little too personally sometimes and I mean I get emotionally invested with my clients. I've had some for, you know, twenty years, the same the same folks. So I take it very personally. And so, yeah, we don't want them to get their advice from T V when we don't know what the motives are. We don't know, like you said, what what has the success rate been. So that's that's a key point that I make with folks when they call me and they say that they saw so and so on TV and they predicted this, okay? Maybe rising rates, it may be the dollar is going to crash. Whatever the case may be, my first question to them is, well, how how successful has this person been? Right. How accurate has this person been? And typically they don't know, right? It's hard to get that data and research, but you know, in in my research, if I if I read somebody or I listen to you know, what they're saying about the future and the markets, my first thing I do is go back and find out how accurate have they been. And so if somebody's always, you know, calling for the the sky to fall, you know, that's a chicken little. And so eventually they'll be right, right. but they may not be successful all the time. So, and, and nobody is, but, you know, you try to find people who have had a history of making uh, correct calls and, and been accurate about what they're predicting. And then at least you can make, you know, some judgments from from their, you know, uh, critical thinking.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's, you you're one of those guys I trust in the, uh, all of our advisors, but, you know, us working so closely together, uh, you're a student of the game, which is a big deal for your clients because you're always up on the, you know, what's going on from all over the world when it comes to investing. But, you know, some of the things I think it's, uh, that, that you and I have uh, the luxury of seeing is we know, when we work with individuals. So like we work with people in their 70s and their 60s and their 50s, right? And so if you're working with somebody in their 40s, well, you know, we can educate them and help them know, hey, I know you're only 45 today, but here's what you're going to be thinking when you're 55 and you're 65 and so on. What is some of the kind of the head scratcher moments that you see? What are you, what are you finding in most of the prospect statements uh, where there's some risk and there may
0: be some errors going on? Well, the one thing I, I see quite a bit is that people are just not as diversified as they should be. They they own maybe quite a few different holdings, mutual funds. But when you look at the types of funds they own, there's a lot of times correlation that's, that's very high. So right. in other words, they may own three or four different large cap funds that own large U.S. companies. But if you look at how those are correlated, they, they all move in the th- same thing. Exactly. Yeah. They move in the same direction. So you know, that's a critical part is that, once again, try to find pieces that work independently in the portfolio. So I'll find people who have a lot of different funds and they think they're diversified. But when you boil it down, they've got a lot of holdings that are really going to go up or down in the same direction.
1: Yep. So when you look at uh, the other thing that I think is critically important, I say that word a lot, but is the fiduciary versus non-fiduciary, right? A broker-dealer type stuff. Why is being a fiduciary uh, so important to you? Because obviously you, you clearly could have gone anywhere you wanted to go in this industry, but you choose to be a fiduciary and you choose to be a visionary wealth advisor. So so why a fiduciary?
0: That's right. Well, Brett, I started my career back in... in uh, a long time ago, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> name a year, but uh, I started with a firm in Clayton, and they were registered investment advisors. So I'm a young guy; I don't know much about fiduciary versus non-fiduciary or independent and RIA. Those were terms that were new to me, and I started with this firm, and they were 100% RIA, fee only, no conflicts of interest fiduciaries, and so that's how I was raised in the industry. I mean that's all I knew. Right. So you may have somebody else that was raised in a different, you know, commission-based environment or, you know, warehouse environment where there wasn't that uh, fiduciary duty and maybe that's all they know. But that's that's where I came from. That's that's how I've been raised in the industry and and that's where we are today. So I think it's important and I really emphasize this for my clients is the fiduciary aspect. I'm not sure if you've read the book by Tony Robbins um, recently. He he wrote a book about yep. financial investing, and I agree with a lot of what he says. And he makes a, a point in that book to kind of identify um, the the suitability standard um, versus doing what's in the best interest of the client. And that's really the fiduciary standard that we abide by every day. And what makes that powerful is my clients know if if I call them and I say I want to sell this this ETF or this fund or the stock, if I tell them I want to buy or sell something, they know 100% without question that it's because I think it's in their best interest. There's no commission, there's no kickback, there's no sales contest, there's no ulterior motive for me to make that recommendation. At the end of the day, it gives me a lot of comfort to say that to clients. And I think it gives them a lot of comfort to know that every decision we make, there's no other reason except for we think it's in their best interest.
1: Yeah, you get paid the same regardless, right?
0: We, we make more money when they make more money. That's and right. that's the beauty of the fee-based RIA system is yep. that we're, we're really, at the end of the day, we get compensated for our clients being successful.
1: So here's what I would ask you. If you're listening to this show right now and you've heard Brad Keen uh, give a lot of, uh, just a wealth of information, I would ask you these following questions. Do you know what your asset allocation is? Do you know what your risk level is? Do you know where you're invested right now, right? Are you invested in large cap, mid cap, small cap, international, and some cash, and et cetera, et cetera, right? Or do you know where you're invested? And the most important thing is, have you compared that to where you you are with your goal planning? And I think if you don't know that answer, that's the call to action today, is to pick up the phone
0: or email Brad Keen. Brad, what's your email address? It's Brad.keen at vwa.com. Dash
1: so reach out to Brad Keene there. You can also find him on our Visionary Wealth Advisors webpage at visionarywealthadvisors.com. Uh, check us out on thecircuitofsuccess.com as well. We're along all social media. We'd love for you to follow us. You know, rate the show. This also is a podcast on Mondays on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher and everything else like that. Uh, But share this. Share this with your friends. Share this with anybody you know that needs to learn more about their asset allocation, their risk management. Brad Keene is the man to call. So thanks for being here today, Brad. It's been great having
0: you. Thanks for having me, Brett. Appreciate it. All right. For those
1: listening, again, visionarywealthadvisors.com. Check us out every single week here on the Big 550 KTRS. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.